listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Welcome to the uh, fifth and final part of our series, Asking for a Friend. I hope that you've gotten something out of this series over the past several weeks. Uh, I love that we're doing this on Easter. Everybody's in the house at the same time. We let you guys fill out a survey of what uh, really mattered to you, what you needed to hear about. And we took your responses. And the number one on that list is the issue that we're going to be talking about today. And that is the question, how do I raise my kids in a culture that is slipping? I think this question is very apropos because of this week. Uh, I know like many people, many parents in the room, when I watched on the news the shooting that happened in Texas at an elementary school, uh, I went home and hugged my family tight that night. Uh, it, it, it was just mind-blowing. And as more details emerge, it's just that, that drip on news and social media, and you can't escape it, and it's ever-present. I, uh, if you know me, uh, have surely written a hundred posts and deleted a hundred posts this week on Facebook, just thinking like, I've got to be prudent about this. I don't want to be just like starting political wars online and that's not my calling. And, 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 and I've, I've been praying about all of this. And I think that it's so important that, um, that we talk about this issue. Uh, and I'm, this message isn't about a school shooting, but I think that the biggest thing that hit me this week after praying over it and thinking about it is that we have a dad issue in our country. Mom, it's not that you're not important. You're so important. In fact, listen, you're vital. We need you. But we're missing a lot of dads. And a lot of the dads that we have uh, have their tail in between their leg. And you can fit that in in this narrative wherever you want, the, the gunman's father or or perhaps just the condition that our schools in this country are in, or just culture as a whole that is, is just eroded so far from what it was with high standards. And, and, and the Bible actually prophesied about it, that in the last days we would be a broken and fatherless generation, and it's happening before our eyes. It's like, where's dad in culture? And so I, I really want to deal with, with the subject of parenting and give you some, some good insight in all of that. I think it's really on our hearts and minds. Uh, let me just say before I jump into all that we're going to talk about that if you are young and you don't yet have kids, um, they're going to cry at you just like that baby right now. I'm just telling you right now it's going to happen. Uh, and... Uh, if you don't have kids yet, I want to talk to you about this because I listened to messages like this and took notes before I ever had kids. Kai and I had our philosophy down uh, to a huge degree before they ever showed up. If you are an uncle or an aunt, maybe your kids are grown up, uh, maybe you're a young person in this room, this applies to everybody. If, if I ever make a mistake at church, it's that I, I, I put a little bit too much content into a message. Uh, I'm not going to keep you long. I know it's Memorial Day weekend. You've got like hot dogs to get to after church, but I have 12 points uh, underneath four big headings that I'm going to bring you today. You're welcome. And uh, if, if you just get a nugget out of all of it, I think it's really going to help. Uh, and, and I also want to say this, today is a glimpse. It's an overview. If we were to really teach you about parenting, it would take 17 weeks 
uh, split up between two small group semesters, really hands-on. I am giving you 30,000 feet in the air, flying over, glazing over uh, what it looks like, but it's going to be something that's going to add value to your life. I know this. Let me also say this. I do have four kids. They are six, four, two, and one. So the jury's still out. I'm not telling you this from a place of authority that I've raised these kids and look at them. I've never paraded in front of you. My family is the example of the perfect kids in the world. They love the Lord, but they'll try to get away with murder like every other kid, okay? And so I'm taking this journey. And so, so much of what I'm going to be bringing you today has to do with our philosophy and what we're implementing now. And so I'm in this with you. And I will say at the same time that I can guarantee you with a fair degree of certainty, that if you apply God's word, his principles, into how you parent, that with a fair degree of certainty, you can know your kids will grow up and love God, love the church, love you, and live a godly life. I can guarantee that. And so you don't have to know everything to know that God's word works. So the pressure isn't on my great track record. The pressure is on God. Can I hear an amen, somebody? So we need to, we need to be people that, that bank our lives on that promise, and Lord knows I have. And so it doesn't happen accidentally. It happens intentionally. Let me read it for you out of Proverbs 24. The Bible says this, It takes wisdom to have a good family. Lord does it. And it takes understanding to make it strong. And that's what I want to give you today is just some, some understanding about what the, the, the ethic, the ethos that God has behind you training your kids. Uh, before I give you my lists, I want to talk about maybe three prevalent ways that we see, uh, at least in American culture, uh, uh, the way that people parent kids. Jot these down if you're taking notes. Maybe we're going to take a phone out and take pictures of these slides because there's like a billion of them today. So uh, the first way that I see people parent is the authoritarian model of, of parenting. And I grew up with a little bit of this. Uh, maybe if you're like 40 plus, you grew up with a lot of that. And the idea was, the whole goal with it was, I want your obedience. You're just going to listen to me. You get out of line, I'm going to kill you. I, I, I made you, I can make another one that looks just like you. Like it doesn't really matter to me, you will be obeying, okay? And, and the idea was behavior modification. I want this kid to be doing what I told them to do, and that's success. And, and obedience is success, but I would say there's more meat on the bone there than just the obedience. We don't just want to be like taking away all the bad things. We want to be putting in the right things as well. And so authoritarian. The second way uh, that we see parenting in America today, and maybe there's other philosophies I think they'd fit under, is the permissive style of parenting. Uh, this showed up in the 1960s-ish and, and trickled into our society. It is in full force today. Uh, these are the parents that want to create an environment of love and affirmation, uh, both of which there's nothing wrong with. But, but the, the take on this and the goal in all of this is that your kids would like you, which I don't really care about. And, and so they, they get their kids involved in sports, and the kids are playing, and, and they don't keep school. Score, and then the team that really lost, because I'm the guy in the stand keeping score. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Uh, they, they, they give them a trophy for doing that. Like, oh, Johnny, you're so awesome. And what you did, you ran the bases backwards. Actually, you're just running the concession stand. But Johnny, you're so amazing. you know. And, and we're so excited. And we're affirming everything that they do. And these are, these are the people that have created the friends and family that you and I have that feel like 
in a compulsive way. They have to take a picture of everything that they eat and post it on social media because they're looking for you to be like, oh, I like, you are eating very good. Are you uh, plant-based or are you on keto? And it's, it's all affirmationville. And, and um, we, we actually got to a spot where we started to make misbehavior cute. Oh, he's not being naughty. He just doesn't have his nap yet. You know, just he's being... And little Johnny's a holy terror, like spinning his head around with pea soup coming around, but we need to affirm everything that Johnny does in Jesus' name. And, 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 and the whole idea with permissive parenting is this. It's under the presupposition that your kids are good. If you just hang around for a while, when they become a teenager, you'll realize just how good they are. And so... So there's the permissive. And then the third one I'm going to bring to you today is the biblical uh, way that you can parent your kids. And the goal in all of this is to impress Bible values, godly values on their life. And, and the big difference is this. Yeah, we have love. We have affirmation. We also have obedience. How? It's because we're trying to train the heart of a child. We're, we're, we're going to take in the right values into this kid and change them and train them up because they don't come default good. They come, <laughs> I have four children. They come evil and they're manipulators and they just want their way. They're just angry and upset and they will, they will, they will ride that until you stand up to them, everybody. And so you got to train them. And so the Bible ethic of doing this, you don't just train them when something bad happens. You train them, and you're constantly putting things into them when good things are happening, when daily life is happening. So it's such a huge deal. Okay, Jesus, uh, when he was 12 years old, we have one scripture. And then from the time he's 12 all the way to the time he's 30 years old, so 18 years, we have nothing. So really, there's one banner scripture that talks about how Jesus was when he was growing up. And the Bible does these type of things on purpose to make an emphasis. And so let me read it for you. It's in Luke's gospel. If you want to turn there, Luke's gospel, chapter 2 and verse 52. Scripture says this, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with man. He grew in four different ways. Now you think, well, wait a second. How did Jesus grow? He's God. Jesus didn't grow. He, he knew everything at once. On contrary, no, he didn't. The Bible says that he stripped himself. Uh, the Greek word is kianosis. In other words, all of the God ability and the God knowledge he left in heaven and he came down here positionally, yes, as God. But he came down here and he was born as a baby. He lived it out as a man. So the things that Jesus knew about himself, he read in the Bible. And he's like, that's about me. And the Holy Spirit confirmed him. He didn't know everything as a kid. Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, favor with God and man. And those four things are massive. In fact, it informs the way that we lead new kids back there. For all of our young people, the, the, the nursery all the way through fifth grade, we're growing them up in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. It's what we're doing. You think we're back there doing child care? You're so wrong. In fact, they go back there, and they have church just like you. They have worship music, and they have a message, and they do small groups. Like... We don't do it during the week like we do with you guys because they can't drive. And, and so, like, we do, a, we do a shorter service, and then they have groups right afterwards. Why, everybody? Because we're trying to train them up in wisdom, stature, favor with God and man. 
We got these four steps at play, and it's at play in the way that we disciple you and them. Okay, I'm going to give you these four headings, and underneath of all of them, I'm going to give you some practical things. Because when I say wisdom, you're like, yeah, the pastor said i got to raise wise kids. And you're like, now what? You don't know what to do. I want to help you with the now what. So here we go. You ready? Number one, wisdom. God has called us to raise our kids up with wisdom. And so it doesn't just mean that Jesus went to school and got good grades and that Jesus became smart, though I believe that he did. It's really talking more about how he was raised. And, and so jot this down. The first little subpoint is this. We need to teach our kids the fear of God, the, the fear of God. This is, by the way, in my opinion, absent. I was going to say missing, but it's absent in our culture. And I love New Chapel, and I love that we're singing about the goodness of God. And we used to sing back in the day, we used to do holy aerobics and be, I'm a friend of God. I mean, we'd like, I love all of it. But we've made God so much our friend, and he's so good that we've, we've taken that vignette, and we've lost the fear of God. Now, let me tell you, this is not you being afraid of him. That, that's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about you living in fear either, neither. It's actually maybe even bad phraseology that's from the King James English, but it's really talking about you having a severe and awesome respect and regard for God. Like, I'm taking him seriously. And it's not in culture at all. I don't see it. The Bible says in Psalm, I'm sorry, Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You need wisdom and understanding in how you're raising them. Your kids need wisdom. And if they're not raised with this reverence, like God is God and I am not God, and, and he gets decision power in my life, when we lose that, we make Christianity into something that it's not. And so we need to teach them to fear God. Psalm 34, 11, come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. This is something that you as parents can be investing into your kids. Uh, Pastor Eric, my father-in-law, he's in the front row today. He was watching the kids, I think it was last week or maybe the week before. And uh, he's sitting with all four of them, which I'm sure was so overwhelming. And um, they're all watching something on TV, and he's over at the island in my kitchen, and he picks up his phone, and he hits the Siri button. He's like, Siri, call Joe Bev. Now, you have to be a very old friend of Joe Bevilacqua to call me Joe Bev. That's a very, very old term. In fact, why don't you just not use that? But, but he, he said it on the phone. And my son Aurelio turned around and said, that is so disrespectful. Pastor Eric was like, oh, my gosh, that was awesome. Just Vera, this last week, uh, she heard my wife call me Joe. Like, Joe, what do you want for whatever? And she looks at me and goes, Joe? And I said, don't you ever use my first name again. And I said it nice, and I won't say it nice the next time. Let me tell you something. You want your kids to not say God's name in vain? They ought to start by not taking your name in vain. Amen. That'll go a long way in your life. I'm not saying any kind of scary or severe environment in the home, nothing, nothing like that. But I'm talking about having a reverence active for God. It starts there, and it'll trickle all the way down. Okay. Wisdom, next thing, accept the Bible, write that down, accept the Bible is your life manual. Like, I believe the Bible, everybody, cover to cover, I even believe the maps, like I'm, I'm down with all of it, and I've realized I don't know as much as the Bible knows, and so I've, I've tried to assimilate it into my everyday life. 
Now, America is a Christian nation. I mean, we have this, this heartbeat for God, our history and heritage. But I want to show you a little bit of a progression that is, is it's alarming. Uh, so the builder's generation, that is those people born from 1927 to 1945, 65% of those guys, uh, they were Bible-based believers. This was my dad. My dad was born in 39. 65% of that generation believed the Bible. Like, it's just true. Now, their kids, the baby boomers, they were born from 46 to 64. 35% of the boomers are Bible-based believers. Look at that drop. It's a big, huge culture shift. And a lot of these kids, they grew up in the 60s and in the 70s. And uh, there was no such thing as an emergency room before 1969. But crime and violence, it just, it, things changed in between the 60s and the 70s. The Busters, born from 1965 to 1983, 16% Bible-based believers. And then, of course, the Bridgers. These are uh, what we would call the Millennials and Gen X combined 4% Bible-based believers. Okay, here's my question. If that's true, and right now we're living in a culture where there's like 35%, 16%, those are the ones like adult and in charge, What's going to happen when 4% Bible-based believers are in charge of everything and that generation is gone? Guys, we have to do something. And you can't rely on the church to solve all of your kids' Bible needs. We get them for an hour a week, everybody. We can send you with one of those go sheets, but at the end of the day, it's, it's going to be a you thing. So you've got to make the Bible the manual for your life. We've got to do something. And so, how? How do, how do we get the Bible into our kids? Deuteronomy 6. These commandments that I've given you are to be upon your heart. So like mom and dad, you got to be seeking God. you got to get his word in you. And then it says, impress them. I like how it says that. Im impress them on your children. Believe it or not, you have influence there. And this is a you thing. How do you do that? You talk to them about it when you're sitting at home, when you're walking on the road, when you're driving them to sports, when they're getting ready to go to bed, when they're getting up in the morning, you're talking about what God's doing in your life. You're talking about what God's word says. You're talking about the message that you heard. You're talking about how God can solve that. You're talking about, hey, can I pray with you about anything? It's on your tongue all the time. That's how you get this into them. You impress it into them. And if you think that Naya in some puppet is going to impress the Bible completely into your kid, i got to tell you, everybody, you're giving us a lot of credit. But it won't work that way. It's going to be all of us together, the church and the home, that are working together to make these kids everything that they can be. Can I hear an amen, somebody? Okay, we've we, we got to press on. Uh, Pastor Joe, I, I don't know if they're reading the Bible. I've got kids that are teenagers or 20-somethings. I heard something. It was, it was from the Davis clan. Craig Davis started a group chat with all of his kids, and he, they all text, but he started texting them Bible verses. He'll text them the word of God. My Lanta, if you let your kids have an iPhone, number one, repent, but number two, use it for something good. Like, <clears throat> text them the word of God and encourage them on all of that. When you go back to new kids and you're getting ready to pick up your kids, grab that go sheet. Like, I'm feeding you the lines on how to invest in your kids on an everyday basis. And so, we got to make the Bible our, our, our guidebook, our life manual. A third thing under wisdom is this. We need to guard the minds of our kids. This has never been more difficult. By the time that they're 18, they will have seen 100,000 sexual encounters on TV alone. 
91% of those encounters, as though any of seeing that is good on TV, 91% are going to be in an unwed situation. Uh, every year, your kids see 80,000 acts of violence on TV. It's, listen, Dad, you got to step in. Psalm 101 and verse 3, I will set before my eyes no vile thing. I'm not going there. I'm not letting this junk into our house. You know, we got into a cycle and we were watching Fear Factor. And, and I got to be honest, that's right up my alley. But I noticed I've got little boys and boys are boys from the time they're four, everybody. And they were seeing them change into their bathing suits to get ready to do a stunt. And I'm telling you, my gum fell out of my mouth. And like, we have to pull back. We can't watch that anymore. Now, don't be the heavy and just take away. You need to replace it with something else interesting. Don't be a shrewd. Otherwise, we're going to be churning butter on the farm. And, you know, I mean, just, I'm not, I'm not asking you to be a weirdo in the weird sense. I'm asking you, asking you to be a weirdo in the godly sense where it's like, we're going to watch something else. We're going to build up in a different way. We're going to do something else constructive. You don't have to make God or the Bible the heavy in order to get them out of all that junk. Can I hear an amen, somebody? You're starting a war, Pastor Joe. Listen to me, sir. It's a war worth fighting. Trust me. My kids, uh, in that same time that Pastor Eric was watching, he was talking to me about that, and he said uh, that they were watching YouTube. And, and I hate those commercials on YouTube. They're everywhere. And, and one came on and it had a whole bunch of people in a hot tub. And both of my older boys that were watching, the other ones were just playing, uh, my older boys turned their head and they went, gross. And said, tell, tell us, Poppy, when we can look. See, we're working on it right now, and so can you. But, Dad, you're going to have to lead the cause with all of that. You can, well, that doesn't bother me. Let it bother you because it's bothering them. Okay, I, I better move off. Okay, number two, we're growing in wisdom, and we're going to grow in, write it down, stature. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. Now, what does that mean? It's not just saying that he ate right and exercised, though, though I'm, sure, <laughs> I'm sure he had stature. It's talking about his life. It's talking about Jesus' stature in growing in his life. And what's the most important part of your life? It's your purpose. Acts 20 and verse 24, however I consider my life worth nothing to me, if only I may finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. Listen to me, Christian. There is a call of God on your kid's life. And the most important thing that I can do as dad is invest in that. So write it down. Help your kids, help them discover their purpose. Don't wait for them to arrive on it. No, no, no. You're taking a very passive role. Well, the school's going to give them a little test. No, school ain't. School give them a test or not give them a test. I'm going to be investing in them so they can discover what God has purposed them to do. It's the most important job I think I have is that they would be people that would know why they're here on earth. And so that is one of the reasons why for adults, we do New Chapel Connect and New Chapel Grow. It's because you need to be a person who knows why that you're here. We, we want to help you find your redemptive purpose so you can help your kids find theirs. They have gifts and talents and all those things indicate at a young age, young, young, young. Uh, those of you that have kids that are anything over maybe seven years old, you can look back from the time they were a baby into maybe seven, ten, teenager, and you say, they were like that the whole time. They were like that from the moment they came out there cracking jokes and weren't even talking English. You know what I mean? 
Like there are things in your kids and you got to mine those out. It's on you to do it. So you're going to be the person that points them in the right direction. This God has a purpose for your life. And I tell them that all the time. So we are a house full of love. We are a house full of affirmation. I'm Italian, everybody. Nobody loves like me, okay? But I tell them all the time, like, God has a plan for you. You're going to do great things with your life. And you know what? They believe it. You should believe it too. Next thing, jot this down. You need to pray for God's favor on your children. I pray over my kids all the time that God's favor would be on their life. Uh, The Bible says in Psalm 5, verse 12, You, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You surround them as a shield. God, surround Aurelio, Salvatore, Filippo, and Vera with favor as a shield all about them, God. That wherever they go and they encounter people, that people just like them. I don't know why I just like those guys. God, I pray for favor on their life. And, And there's principles to favor. We'll talk about that in a second. But you need to pray. Pray that over your kid's life. Next thing. You need to choose their relationships. Write this down. Choose their relationships carefully. Look at me, everybody. I love you. Do not let your kids decide who their friends are. That's crazy. You're like, what? I'm serious. You choose. You find out. You talk about an arranged marriage. Hey, if it gets to that, wonderful. I'm Googling currently if there's an evangelical nun thing that Vera can get into. But like beyond that... While they're growing up, you choose their friends. They don't need to hang out. Whoever. Well, they, the, mom, dad, they're just far from God, and I'm trying to be a good influence on them. No. No. You, no. Go by the church. They can be a good influence on them. You need to get your own act together. Your bedroom looks atrocious. You know, like, like no, we're not missionary friending people. They can't do that. You've got to raise them to be godly so that when they're old enough and mature enough, they can go and be a witness to this world. What are they going to witness of if they're hanging out with darkness all the time? And, and, and listen, I'm sorry, younger generation, but, but I'm going to say it right to your parents. Choose them. You find them. My kids had people knock upon their door. It's not everybody. Not everybody. And it's going to be few and far between as they get older with sleepovers. Let me tell you our philosophy on that. They're not sleeping over at anybody's house. Now, again, I'm not going to make God the heavy, or or I'm not going to be the heavy. I'm the best dad on earth. Everybody come over here. Come to my house. I'll spring for pizza. But I'm not having you go. Every, like, catastrophic sin I committed in elementary and middle school was at somebody's sleepover. (laughs) Or on the bus. (laughs) And so, so, listen, you... You can choose. Don't feel like you can't do that. Well, mom, dad, how dare? I'll tell you how dare I. I'm going to go choose exactly. You're going to hang out with that little girl. She's got good parents. I like them. And you step in and sever. You may want to say, oh, me right now. You ought to say amen because it's good preaching for a white boy. But I'm going to tell you something. You need this. You need this. Be empowered. And so show me your friends. I'll show you your future. We don't, by the way, then get involved in everything. Like we're involved in church. I got to move on. Number three, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, and then the Bible says he grew in favor with God and man. Favor with man is my next point. So God has an ethic in how we treat other people. We're supposed to treat other people really well, and when we don't, it's a sign of our character. The Bible says in Philippians 2.3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility. What does the Bible say? Consider others better than yourself. 
So what do I put into my kids? You consider them better. Don't act like everybody owes you something. Anybody else notice that this generation thinks that somebody owes them something, like there's an outstanding invoice or something like that? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that's crazy. Nobody owes you anything. And so... Uh, we need to realize that as we put other people first, that is going to draw this favor with men. Uh, next thing, uh, teach them to be honest. Uh, teach them to be honest. Huge deal. If my kids do something wrong, we can deal with that. If they lie to me, that's the worst punishment at our house. Like if you're going to get punished and it's going to be like one of those ones you remember when you're 20, it's going to be one of those times where, where you weren't honest with dad. Because if we're not honest, I have no relationship with you. I can't help you. Uh, I remember it was a couple years ago, actually. I think we only had Aurelio and Jack at the time. I got home from work and saw that somebody had taken a little, it was actually a, a little marker that you would use as a stain marker to like stain furniture where there's little nicks or whatever. Stain marker all over the walls and everything. And I see it, Kai didn't yet. <clears throat> so I say, boys, get down here right now. I want Aurelio, Jack, you get over here. And, and I called both of them, knowing who already did it. And you know who already did it, too, by the way, whenever you call everybody. And I said, now, Aurelia, did you do this? No, sir. Jackie, did you do this? Yes. You know, he just, just, just breaks. Yes. And, then, and then you ask him why, and it's the typical thing. Why'd you do it? He goes, I don't know. You know? And so, so we can deal with that because, like, you were honest about it, and you probably don't know why you did it. And so we're, we're, we're going to deal with the issue, right? We're still going to, you know, God bless you, give you a little correction. But it's not going to be anything as severe as if you lie. You want to direct your kids to be open and honest with you. You don't want them to think when they get in trouble as a teenager, oh, my gosh, my dad's going to kill me. You want them to think, oh, my gosh, i got to call my dad. That's the difference. And so if you don't broker that honesty early on, you're going to have to play catch-up. You can still do it. There's hope. But you need to have them be honest. Right along with that is this. Teach them to show honor. Honor. Honor people and honor things. So the way that I say it is this way. I say We put weight on the way that we treat people and the way that we treat things. We're we're going to be an honoring people. We're not just going to be flippant with our possessions. We're not going to be flippant with people. Somebody blesses you, you say thank you, take the time to say thank you. This honor thing is massive. And so we have a generation who thinks that they're above every institution, and they're wrong. We need to be people that understand honor. Okay, i got to move on. Favor with men. Third point on this, we need to teach them. This goes right along with it. Teach them to show respect. Respect. Okay, so let me give you an example in my life. My kids, if you see them and I tell them to do something, here's what you're going to hear. Yes, sir, or no, sir. You're going to hear yes, ma'am, or no, ma'am. My kids, I'm training them, and they're not perfect. No elbows on the table. If an old person walks in the room, you stand up. If a woman walks to the table and she went powdered her nose at a restaurant, you stand up when they come, right? We're not going to be leaning over on the table, not talking to anybody, having an attitude, none of that kind of thing. Respect. Y'all look at me like I fell out of a tree. Let me help you with this. You're like, well, Pastor Joe, I don't know about the sir, ma'am thing. I don't want to be so formal in my home. I wasn't raised that way. No, no way. If I would have called my dad sir, it would have been weird. I raise my kids that way because it's so countercultural. It, may, it actually just directs everything completely away. And so if you choose not to have yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, fine. There's no scripture, chapter, and verse for that. 
but you're going to have to find another way to supplement him. And you're going to have to find another way to raise that respect level. Because what I see is a bunch of kids that are dismissive of their parents' rolling eyes. I'm telling you, my kids do that. I will knock you back to the future. You'll see Marty McFly on your way back to Disciplineville. Like, I'm just... And I'm not talking about beating my kids, everybody. I'm talking about a nice, warm spank where there's plenty of fat and nerve endings, but very low potential of doing any damage. You know what I'm talking about? And I've taught you how to spank in a previous sermon. I'm not going to have three in a row on parenting where I detail it. But let me just tell you, your kids need to show respect and honor. And so I like it. I like yes sir, no sir, because you know what? That's very employable. Number four, favor with God. Jesus grew in favor with God and with man. This is the most important one. Because you're a spirit, and the spiritual development of your life and their life, that's the most important thing. And again, look at me. This is not just on the church. We help so much. We resource so much. But all of their Christian education and development as young Christians, it can't just be on us. Everybody look at me now. 70% of high schoolers that are in church with their parents, 70% when they graduate high school will never come back to the church again. 70. We have to do something. And so this favor with God component is huge. They need to have a relationship with their God. How do you start? Well, it's easy. You make Jesus Christ the Lord of your home. Write that down. Well, that's a simple point. What's next? No, 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 no. Sir, make Jesus Lord of your home. Make the decision that he... Well, how, how do I even do that? It's one word, first. Sir, you put him first. So here's what we want. First thing we're talking about in the morning. First thing that we're talking about, we're praying and we're, we're listening to worship music and, and it's going to be first. We're going to tithe. We're going to give. We're going to serve first. We're going to go to church on the first day of the week. I'm going to put them first. And I'm telling you, it's not so difficult. It's just God first. And that's Jesus Lord over your home. It'll, it'll direct them. It puts a rhythm on them. If you skip, if you take summers off, I'm telling you, you're training them. And at this rate, what we're doing, 70% is great as kids they are. They're waving goodbye at the church. They're waving goodbye at a relationship with Jesus. And so we, we have to make this paramount. Kai and I, we made the decision, even if we're on vacation, we go to church. And so we had our first sabbatical in eight years last year. It was wonderful. And all of those Sundays, we were in church, different church because we were different parts of the country. We went there, took notes, raised our hands, waved at Jesus, coffee in the other hand. Like I was just happy as a lark, man, because I didn't have to preach it. And, but we go. Why? Because leadership 101, you got to eat what you're cooking. But beyond me being a pastor, if I was just Christian, Joe, I did the same thing before I was ever a pastor. And I would say to you, you got to make church part of everything that you do. So I'm going to just say it because I'm on a roll. And nobody's giving me like big, amen, hallelujah, this is amazing. We don't do soccer. We ain't going to be signing up for hockey. What do y'all do? We do church. Well, they're not going to be able to play a sport. They'll be able to play a sport. You just said it, though. A sport. You can do like one thing at a time. 
it is absolute child abuse that we have a whole generation of kids that are doing three, four things at time. You get home at 10 o'clock at night. You and your kids are passing ships in the night because that's how God described it. No way. I'm going to know my kids. We're going to sit down at dinner time at the table. We're going to sit down. You know it's a war. Nothing about that's easy, but we do it every single day. I'm going to sit down at that table today. I'm going to sit down at the head of the table because I'm dad. I'm going to say, now, don't do that. Stop playing with your fork. Don't scratch the table. Stop doing that. Would you sit down? Stop standing on front. It's agony. <laughs> I used to make fun of those parents that had little leashes for their kids at the mall, and I thought, like, how much are those? You know, like... <laughs> Get a tether for the yard, you know, just <laughs> knock yourself out. I don't know. It's a war. It's not easy. Don't procreate if you want easy. Let me tell you what's easier is sit down. Don't stand on furniture. Stop doing that. Then when I go to my baby girl, Vera, I say, Vera, do you want to pray tonight? She'll go, yeah. She'll go, in Jesus' name, amen. And we all go, Amen. You know what's easy? Going through all that stuff, telling them what to do, telling them to eat your food, eat your food, eat your food. I swear to God, Jack hasn't eaten three years. I don't know how he's alive. I go through that war now because I don't want the war of bailing Jack out of jail someday. You fight the war now. You fight it in kit form on things that you don't think are related, but they're so related. So we don't do all the stuff. We stay pretty focused as a family. Like we do church. So somebody say, hey, you want them to join the soccer thing? We got a free soccer thing. No, we don't want to do soccer. We don't want to do hockey. We don't do any of that stuff. We'll play around the yard. I'm going to let kids be kids as long as they possibly can be. And as soon as we do get in sports, we're going to be winning those sports. So whatever league we're in that doesn't do that, I will be the dad. I'll be the team chaplain and the dad calling out the score in real time, not caring what you or any other parent thinks. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, Joshua 24. You got a choice. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. For me, in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Write this down. You need to show them your love for God. When I'm driving the kids around, it doesn't happen as often as with Kaya, but when I am driving them, I have a Spotify app on my phone, and I'll, I'll hit that, and I'm playing the Kids on the Move worship mix. And I'm lifting my hands while I'm driving and worshiping and bopping. And you know what? My kids worship. They lift their hands. I display my passion and my zeal. I do it for you on a Sunday morning. I'm not this big lofty pastor with my entourage walking in and be like, Joe, tell those people to get away from me. You know, No, I'm down here getting after Jesus with the best of them. You see it. And it's because I love God and I'm going to model it for you. I'm going to model it for my family. And so, sir, that's what you need to do. You need to model it for them. Proverbs 14, 26. Reverence for the Lord, sir. It gives a man deep strength. Check how the Bible ties this together. His children have a place of refuge and security. You got this reverence for the Lord. You've got, you've got that. You're going to be a strong guy. But watch this. That's where your kids are going to be like, that's home. That's where I feel safe. Why do you feel so, why do you feel so secure? Why don't you get out and go see the world a little bit? Listen, I'm good. They're not even going to be able to articulate the fact that my parents love God. And it created this refuge here where I'm good. I don't need to go out to the world party, go into the wood. Back, I grew up in inner city Nuevo, which is pretty close to Hesse Lake. <laughs> 
it wasn't a lot to do. And so a lot of those guys, they'd go out and party in the woods. I don't like his party in the woods. I don't hang out with me. I told my kids one time, I said, you don't even know how to have fun. I don't have a great time. Like, I'm not talking about you being old school, like, musky church. I'm talking about you engaging your kids and showing the love of God and having a great time while you're doing it. They will love your God to the degree that you love your God. just want that to sit there for a second. 1 Corinthians 11. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. What is he saying? Like Paul's saying, watch me how I do it. That's how you do it. The things you see me say, that's what you say. The things you see me do, that's what you do. He's not saying he's God. He's saying, follow me as I follow Christ. Right? Like I'm following Jesus. We can all be in a line together in all of this. Write this down. Favor with God. We need to be like Jesus in every situation. Oh, Pastor Joe, I'm glad you made it so easy for us. Just be like Jesus. There's a simple one. Yeah, but even as you're working this out in real time in front of them and they see your flaws, it's okay. You imitate, they can imitate you as you're imitating Christ. You're on your own journey. So you might say, I'm a little bit behind the eight ball. I don't have all these things in place. We just start doing them. And you, you, you seek after God. You pursue them. And you model what's right. And what will happen is this. They'll see you, and that will make their hearts follow. Don't feel like you have to put on a show. You just pursue God. So being like Jesus, don't think that you have to be perfect. Nothing like that. In fact, let me say this. Some of you, in the sound of my voice, you have maybe adult children or teenagers in you might have blown it in some areas. And things might even be tense in your relationship right now. I'm, I'm not telling you that, that you have to be perfect in all of it. I'm just saying in their relationship, your relationship with them, you model Jesus the best that you can. You, you show them. So that when they mess up, and they will, you're ready to show them the same forgiveness that God showed you. Let me read it for you, and then I'll, I want to explain it. Colossians 3. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. We talked about this last week. Here's what it looks like. You get the call from school, and your kids really blew it, and the teacher's upset, and they made a big show, or they're going to be suspended for a while, or whatever it's going to be. Or if you get the call and you got to go bail your kids out or whatever, here's what you do. You don't go in. Here's what you want to do. I'm going to kill you. You know, you just want to unload on them. Don't do that. Think, I have my greatest moment right now. Now's my time to shine. I get to show them at their lowest exactly what the love of God's all about. I would plan for that moment. Not that we're expecting bad, negative things, but every kid's going to be a kid. Whatever degree they fail, you're ready to step in and say, I think I love you even more. And, and I think Jesus loves you more because you're going to need Jesus' help to get out of this because this is bad. But I love you, and I'm here for you, and I'll take your hand through this. We'll get through this. You see, I wasn't trying to mess with you. God's way was best, wasn't it? Yeah, okay, let's do it. I'm going to treat my kids the way that God treated me, because that was me. Messed up, angry, insecure, accused, frustrated, 
And yet God stepped in with love and acceptance and said, let's go on a journey to get, that's you. So don't think of yes, sir, no, sir, as severe. Don't think of respect and honor as these, oh, I, don't, I don't know, let's water that. No, 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 no. It can look like the context of love for sure. It doesn't have to be foreign or sterile. But all of these things together, mercy and truth, it's, it's, a, it's a whole home. It's a whole way to approach the way that you parent them. And I know this as well. Many of you in the sound of my voice didn't have great godly examples. I myself did not have a great godly example to follow of how to parent. But here's what I did. I followed Jesus. I studied this stuff. Kai and I got into the weeds on this years before our son Aurelio, our first, was ever born. And now we're just working the plan. We make a little adjustments, and we are definitely learning, but we're working the plan. You can do that. That is within your capability. And, and so far as you not having an example of someone else, think about it. That means that you're the example for your kids. You don't want them to say, like, I never had an example. They can see you work this out in front of them in real time and in humility, and I think that will make just as strong of a family as the same one that was raised in a godly way from the very beginning. And here's what I know. By the grace of God, you can raise kids that love Jesus, love his church, love you, that have mission active in their heart with purpose and have direction on high from above when you apply these principles into your life. I want to pray a blessing over families. So if you're sitting right now with a family member, if you could just take their hand. If you're not sitting next to a family member, like don't take somebody else's hand. That'd be very strange right now. <laughs> Maybe if you don't have anybody, you could just worship the Lord. I want to pray a blessing over you because the reality is the question, the question was, how do I raise kids? Well, culture is shifting Culture hasn't just started to shift, it's shifted. And you need the help of God on high. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm not afraid to raise my kids in this culture because God's word is eternal. I can raise godly kids no matter what generation I raise them in because God is faithful. Don't you be afraid to raise them in this world. I want to pray a blessing over you. Would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, I pray for families, moms, and dads, and grandpas, and aunts, and uncles. God, I pray for families that they would be bold enough right now and humble enough right now to make decisions, concrete decisions today. Write them down. We're going to change some things. We're going to alter some things. We, we might have to remember after a while. Oh, yeah, we got, we got a course correct. I pray, God, for a boldness right now to make decisions with spouses, with family members, to be able to raise kids in a godly way. Lord, I pray that you give them wisdom. Perhaps they never had a godly example. Maybe their example was just somebody doing the best that they could. I get that. God, I pray that you'd give them godly examples if possible. But if nothing else, God, show them the resources and the people that can help them, the people that are perhaps on the journey with them. God, I pray for the right relationships in their life as parents and the right relationships in their kid's life. God, I pray that because they make hard decisions, countercultural decisions in raising their kids, saying yes, ma'am, or no, ma'am, and, and the like, whatever they decide in the culture of their family, that God, it makes a, a, a culture of honor and respect bubble up. Respect bubbles up in their home. 
God, I pray for kids that love you and love their parents. I pray, God, for a deep well in this church of people that are like that because they made hard decisions. God, I thank you for the next generation. That if Lord Jesus tarries in returning, they'll be the leaders of this next great revival. And God, we expect nothing but our best days ahead. And so God, we thank you for this next generation. We will be a good and godly steward of them. Help us, God, to raise them with you. We love you, sir. In Jesus' name, amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed, just for another minute. If you came into the auditorium today and you don't know God, whatever that means, I want to pray with you. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved it means eternal life. It means that when you die, you'll have eternity in heaven. But eternal life doesn't just start when you die. It starts the moment that you accept Christ. So like the freedom and the peace that you're looking for, it's on the other end, a relationship with him. And that's what it's about. We're going to pray in just a second, and and people in the room are going to be praying who are already Christians. They're They're going to be praying this as a declaration of their faith. They're going to be praying this really in support of you. But if you're in here and you don't know God, the Bible says if you call Jesus Lord, you'll be saved. That's where relationship begins, and that's the freedom and peace you're looking for, friend. What does Lord mean? Lord means boss. It means you're tired of being the God over your own life. You finally admit he makes a better God than you. Heads bowed, eyes closed, church. I want you to say this with those people saying it for the first time. Pray it with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Put your spirit in me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ louder than that. Come on, somebody. I love it. If you did accept Christ in here today, or if you came with somebody who did, hey, make sure that that person who got saved fills out that connection card that we mentioned earlier in service. I'm not going to embarrass you and make you come to the front. Those are things that we do with like baptism, right? This is in between you and God, but I want to send you a note in the mail talking about next steps that God has for you in the faith. God has big things, the least of which we like to say to fill out that stinking card. So make sure you fill that out before you leave. One more time, church, let's give it up to those people that accepted Christ. Proud of you. Stand up on your feet, gang. I hope that you enjoyed this series, five parts, answered a lot of questions. I know that there's more. I'm kind of pining about a fall run of answering other questions that you have in the faith. Uh, Next week, we're starting a new series called As You Go. As You Go is really going to be an opportunity to Uh, impart faith into you as we go into summer, as we go into uh, the next three, four months. I want to talk about a lot of different things, and it's kind of under the banner of as you go. We end our services that way. I want to start June. Don't miss next week. A couple of quick announcements. Uh, Church picnic is coming up next week. Everybody say next week. 
So the church picnic, here's the idea. I like a good old-fashioned potluck. It's just I've been to good ones and some scary ones in my lifetime. And so we're just asking you show up. So after both services, we're going to have picnic. It's going to be outside near that grassy area in the parking lot. We're going to have hot dogs and chips, and we're going to have Coke and Dasani, and it's all keto and plant-based and, and no calories and no carbs. I prayed for all of it. In Jesus' name, and Dale spit holy water on it. And so it's, it's healthy. It's healthy. And so next week, ever say next week? next week? That church picnic. Bring somebody with you because sometimes if people don't want to come to church, they always want to eat. And so it's, it's just a great opportunity. So church picnic. Also, dads and grads is coming up in the month of June. So Father's Day here at church, we get it. Dad wakes up. He's like, I just want to sleep in. I just want to go to the golf course. On contraire, you kidnap that man. You bring him to church. We've got exciting things like always free stuff that we give dad. It's also the day that we honor recent graduates. So listen, if you've got somebody that graduated from high school or they're in some sort of graduation in college or in another realm, let us know about it at guest services so that we can pray for all of our recent graduates that day. By the way, that's also the day where we're having move-up day and new kids. So any kids that are just on the edge of going into their next classroom environment, that'll be the day that we do it. Uh, finally, before we dismiss, we are having a men's shooting event. It's coming up in very short order on June 25th. I have the information for you, and that is we are going to Greenville to arrange. The, the addresses on the posters will actually put some, uh, uh, also put some uh, social media posts up on, on, on Facebook and, and Instagram this week. But uh, it's bring your own ammo, but we're having free breakfast there with all the guys. It's going to be a pretty fun day. So bring your own ammo and gun. We're going to shoot and... Uh, I think it's important that men get together and do things like that. Anybody else think that we ought to be a church that, hallelujah, nobody's going to do anything crazy at New Chapel, I'm just telling you. Okay, guys, listen, I love you. If you have a need in your spirit, soul, or body, don't leave this place without having it prayed for. We'll have prayer people at the front as you're dismissed today. Don't miss next week. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, see you next week.